what a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms. Secure from all alarms, lean on Jesus, lean on Jesus, leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, how sweet to walk in this pilgrim way, leaning on the everlasting arms oh how bright the path grows from day to day leaning on the everlasting arms leaning on jesus leaning on jesus safe and secure from all What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms, I have blessed peace with my Lord so near. Leaning on the everlasting arms, leaning on Jesus. from all alarms leaning on Jesus leaning on Jesus leaning on the everlasting arms leaning on Jesus leaning on Jesus safe and secure from all But now 
say we love you today and we thank you for who you are god we just want to lift you up praise you god Lord, we just thank you that uh, uh you've allowed us to be here today i pray for those that couldn't be here i pray for all those that are listening online and uh on youtube lord we just pray god that you would uh anoint them today may your holy spirit uh just come into us all lord and help us to uh serve you in the way that you would have us do 
God, I pray for Brother Darrell as he delivers your word in a little bit that uh, we might open our ears and our minds to what you have to say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Good morning to you again. If you have your Bible, let's go to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 as we continue going through the book of Hebrews on Sunday. 9, 1 through 14. Hebrews 9, 1 through 14. It's been a few weeks since we've been in the book. Just really quick uh, recap, try to get our minds back on uh, track, on course here. Hebrews up to this point, and we'll continue on, but up to this point, it's talked a lot about Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is better than Moses. Jesus is better than the law. A theme through Hebrews is Jesus is better than. And then uh, continues the theme, Jesus is better than the law. The, uh, the Old Testament is a law written 
it's a law written, written in books. But there's coming a day, it's New, New Testament age, our age, where the law is no longer written, just written on books, but written in your heart, on your heart. So there's, it's a fulfillment. So we're living in the day when the Holy Spirit wants to come in and, and the law written on our heart. It's not that the, uh, the law, a, a written law is no longer any good. It's just that, what, we couldn't keep it. Again, we've talked about often, nothing wrong with the law. There's something wrong with us. And so we go from the written law to the law written on our heart. This mystery and that's what we're going to talk about today, as you looked at the title, is our conscience. And there's an outline of this on the back side of your announcements, if you like to use that. Our, our conscience, what's going on on the inside, the Holy Spirit using us, working through us, speaking to us on the inside. Part of it is through our conscience, and the writer's going to mention that word twice today as we read through the text. So he's going to open up, and you're going to see it, but he's going to open up by talking about the tabernacle. And I'm going to probably get my words mixed up, tabernacle, uh, temple. He refers to the tabernacle in the wilderness before the temple was built. And the structure of, the, the outside structure is different, of course, but the the, the furniture inside the t- the tabernacle inside the temple would have been virtually the same. The size is about the about the same. The table and the veil and and, and all of that. So uh, he's going to talk about the furniture in the Old Testament and what it stood for, and then go, take go from there on to the New Testament. And now it's the Holy Spirit working in our in our conscience. So let's read. Uh, you can read along with me. Hebrews nine one through fourteen. This will be on the screen also so he's going to describe the tabernacle in in the in the old testament times in the wilderness before the temple was built then indeed even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and the earthly sanctuary for a tabernacle was prepared the first part as you walk into it the first part in which was the lampstand the table and the showbread, the lamp stand, the table, and on the table was bread, okay, which is called the sanctuary in verse 3. And behind the second veil, sometimes we call it the holiest, the holy of, the holy of holies, behind the second veil. That's where uh, I did not pick out the last song. I thought of that last song we just sung because of that term, that line in it, he tore the veil. So there's a veil dividing the first place you walk in. I guess I should do it like this. The first place you walk into, and then the next place you walk into, there's a huge veil, and that's what was torn as Jesus hung on the cross. Behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant, overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were uh, the golden pot that had the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tablets of the covenant, or the Ten Commandments, if you remember that. And above it, and above the ark, were the cherubim of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. Now when these things had been thus prepared, the priests always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing the services. This is where the sacrifices were made. 
But into the second part, uh, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicating, verse 8, this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, so you couldn't see it yet, while the first tabernacle was still standing. Verse 9 is important. It was symbolic. All of that that we just talked about, all that the Jews saw and had to go through, it was symbolic for the present time in which both uh, gifts and sacrifices are offered which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience. All of that sacrificing, all that, cannot make him perfect uh, in regard to the conscience. Verse 10, concerned only with foods and drinks and various washings and fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of reformation. But Christ came as a high priest of the good things to come with a greater, more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of, of bulls, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, that is the outside, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to, to serve the living God? Uh, conscience, let's just deal with that first. It's a hard if you would have as much trouble as I do, maybe, describing the conscience, it's kind of like, is this my fall to thing, kind of like telling or describing somebody what, what is love, explaining somebody what is love. It's hard to put into words, isn't it? Conscience is hard to put into words. That's the difference, really. The, the struggle for us to even explain the word co conscience is kind of the point of moving, moving from the written law to the law written on our heart. You know, the, the written law, if you go to, to the Old Testament, it's just black and white, you know. And, and I realize there's some parts, that's, but it's just black and white. It's written out. The, con the word written on our heart is following the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's not always so easy. Uh, conscience. These are just some things that I found, maybe some things I, I added myself. This is the phrase that I found over and over in describing the conscience, the depths of our personality, which I know that's kind of vague, but the depths of our personality, the center of who we are, the inner man, a part of our heart, soul, spirit, and body. I think for me personally, I would concentrate more on the conscience is that part of our spirit that the Holy Spirit speaks to. Uh, the scriptures are very plain, Romans chapter 8, that his spirit com communes, te testifies with, his spirit speaks to our spirit. Our spirit is the part of us that God speaks to and speaks through. I think our conscience is, is highly centered around that, that part of us. I know that's hard to explain. Uh, it's one of those things, if you, can't, if you don't experience it, it's hard to talk about it. 
Okay, so anyway, conscience. Now let's move on. So what we're going to do is just exactly what the text does is it moves from all this tabernacle stuff, all the, all the tables and the, the lamps and the, all the things that they had to go through and saying now in New Testament times we no longer have to do that. And it's okay if you want to do that. But we no longer have to do that. The word's now written on our heart. It's it's the Holy Spirit living living in us. I've I, I don't care how many commentaries that I read on sections of Hebrews like this, when a commentator's writing about the furniture. You know, we have we have altars here, and uh, but they had the altar, they had the lamps, and 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 all the furniture is very much exactly like God told them to do it. Every commentator will explain what, well, the table means this and the lamps mean that. And But the thing is, every commentator has a little different twist on it. So I'm not going to bore you to death with all of that. I just want to go to this part, the the good. That's what I'm going to call the the good part of the tabernacle. When I read through it again and again, it struck me that in the first court that you come to where the priests offer the sacrifices, not the holiest place, but the first court, let's just say if for our viewing, if it was this area here and the, and the holy place is back here, there's a veil here. But in this place, there's the table and a candelabra and bread. And I thought about that, the good part, light and bread. If you could picture yourself being an Israelite out in the wilderness, the desert, and you come up to the tabernacle, it's completely covered in white. There's, there's a linen curtain all the way around, completely white. And in the, in the desert atmosphere, and you come upon this place just completely, it had to shine white. And if you could see it when the sun was coming up, it had to glisten white. And that's what you saw. That's good. You walk into it, and there's light, and there's bread. I want all of you right now, I don't know if, uh, if you've ever done it. Did anybody in your life ever do it? You have anybody in your life who ever made homemade bread? Okay, just take a minute right there. Have you ever had homemade bread with apple butter on it? Just everybody, just, let's, we can rise and be dismissed right now. Can you just, ha, has nothing to do with bread. How many of you like the smell of coffee made from freshly ground grounds? Okay, just think about that. You know what I did one time? I took a, ba a bag of coffee grounds and put it in my back seat. So when I opened the door of the car, what? You smell that. What if you took a, a loaf of, I'm doing this on purpose. There really is a reason. Uh, what if you took a loaf of homemade bread and put it in the back of your car and opened the door? Uh, <laughs> it wouldn't last long. Right, it wouldn't last. Somebody in the congregation said it wouldn't last long. I, want, I, I, I do. I want you to stop and just think about the good. That's good. You walk in, you're in, the, you're in the desert, the wilderness, barren, bleak, and where they were was barren and bleak. 
in this white soaked tabernacle, you walk into the first court and there's light and there's fresh bread every day. Man, that's a good place. That's a good place. But isn't it true? Everything God does, man has a way of messing it up. And that, I want you to think about that. And this has nothing to do, uh, it's just a thought. Do you remember when Jesus, twice while he was on earth, he drove the money changers out of the temple? The temple was basically shaped the same way, done the same way. There was light, there was, there was bread. But they had what was called, let's say, past these chairs and this side of it. They had the court of the Gentiles. And you remember, you recall uh, that Jesus twice drove everybody out of the temple because of the way they were acting in it. Now, you have a temple that's designed for light and bread. The money changers brought their sheep and their oxen and their doves, and they were selling them right there. There was a, a short wall that divided the Gentiles from this place. That's why Paul says about tearing down the middle wall of separation, that's the wall, okay? And so they had their oxen and their sheep and their doves right there selling them. Now, I don't care who you are, I don't care where you are, you get a bunch of oxen and bulls and calves and sheep and you put them in a place and you're going to have manure, okay? And so when Jesus walks into the temple, instead of the light and the bread, he smells manure. This isn't, I'm not making this up. And it just gets all over him and he makes a whip and he drives them out. I don't care who you are, where you are, God has a way of creating everything good. After everything that God made, what did he say? It is good. And when he created the temple, it is good. When he created the, when he created the tabernacle and he told them exactly how to do it, God knows what fresh bread smells like. And he said, I want fresh bread on the table. I want a candelabra. I want this thing to look beautiful. I want it to be, I want it to be attractive. I want to attract men. I want to, I want to attract pe people. I want this to be an attractive place where people can come to God's house. And they just messed it up. Like we always do. Okay? Therefore... That's why there's nothing wrong with the law. There's nothing wrong with the tabernacle. There's always something wrong with us. And so the fulfillment is that eventually we're going to go from law written on paper to law written on a heart. The problem, if you're looking at your outline, the problem is not everyone was welcome. I want you to think about this, though. The tabernacle was not designed to keep people in. This veil was designed, and the curtains were designed, and that wall was designed to what? Keep people out. That's the problem. And I don't know, I'm sure that somebody eventually saw that, that all this des design was to be attractive, but only so far. Not everyone could come. Not everyone could come here. Not everyone could come here. 
And a lot of the temple design was to keep people out. That's why the temple is now done away with, and everyone has the, uh, has the ability to come. Jesus died for every man, every one. So not everyone was welcome. And here's the problem. No one's conscience was completely cleared. Went through the ritual, went through the sacrifice. I'm going to concentrate on the word ritual. Went through the ritual, did what God, but I, I still don't, I'm gonna, I, don't, I don't like resting on my feelings. But there's just no way around it. If conscience is part of our heart, soul, spirit, body, that feelings is a part of it. It really, I mean, you cannot escape that. That we don't want to, we don't want to rest on our feelings, but on our faith. We don't want to trust our feelings, but trust our faith. But the fact is, we're human, and we do feel. God feels. God feels. God has an emotion, and so do we. And so the conscience is part of the feeling. I can go through the ritual, but I'm not feeling any different. I'm going through the ritual, but it's not changing me. Now, from this point on, we're going to stop talking about the Israelites and a few thousand years ago, and we're going to talk about us and the ritual. The rituals we go through in our in our worship, whether it's in our church, whether it's what you're doing in your personal worship time, at, if it's at your work, if it's at your home, I don't care where it's at, but the, the, the rituals we use, which are supposed to be the tools that God gives us to help us get to that worship place where we are worshiping him in spirit and in truth. It is happening on, on the inside. God is changing us on the inside. We're worshiping from our heart. Our conscience is being changed. Our conscience is being cleared. Our conscience is being cleaned. So that's what we're going to talk about. Instead of thousands of years ago now, it's going to be, we're going to talk about us, the, the, the ritual. And that's be the next line on your, on your uh, outline. Ritual should lead to relationship. That's where it is. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not a ritual. It used to be. It's not anymore. It's not supposed to be. It's, it's no longer supposed to be a, a, a ritual, ritualistic, but a relationship. Rituals should lead to relationship. Here's what I'm going to ask you again and again. Is it? Are the rituals you go through, are they leading to relationship, or are you just going through it? We sometimes say it this way, right? Are you just going through the motions? None of us can say honestly that we have never just gone through the motions because all of us have. The thing is, we don't want to live there. We don't want to stay there. Rituals should lead to relationship. Here it is. I want, this is going to be true in everything, not just the worship in everything. When relationships fail, we fall back to ritual and rules. When relationships fail, 
This is in church. This is in home. This is your spouse. This is your children. This is your workplace. This is your life. When relationships fail, we go back to ritual and rules. My wife used to have a sweatshirt. I really liked it, but it, it just pretty much says what it says right there. She had it when our children were small. I don't know what happened to it. I think our children burned it. But the, the sweatshirt said, uh, I'm the mommy, that's why. Some of you have to think about that a little bit. I'm the mommy, that's why. Like, you don't have to ask why. Because I said so? Because I said so? Okay, that's cute. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't take that too far. When relationships fail, we fall back to ritual and rules. Because I said so. Because I told you to. Be, be careful. We've all done that. We will all do that. Be careful when that's all you've got. It be, be careful. Uh, I try not to. I try not to be the pastor who's every week getting up here telling you what you ought to do. You ought to. You should. I'm, I'm the pastor. That's, that's why. You know, if I had a shirt made, I'm the, if I had a shirt made, I'm the pastor. That's why. And I need that. Then I'm not the pastor. Why? Because they're, they're, then we have a church based on rules, not relationships. If, if, if that's all it is at home, if that's all it is at school, if that's all it is at, at church, is, is because I'm in charge, that's why. Be, be careful. And some of you right here really need to think about that, about the direction you're heading in when you're the leader. Be careful. If that's all it has become is rituals and rules. I'm going to concentrate on that. Be careful when that's all it has become is rituals and rules. And you've, you've bypassed the relationship. Now, it probably used to be there. Probably used to be there. But it's failing. I'm going to ask you, I don't care what area of life it's in, what, concentrate on relationship. Concentrate on relationship. And you'll be glad you did. Next is uh, kind of the same thing. Should do leads to want to. Should do leads to want to. Now, when want to fails, and you got to maintain that, I'm telling you, <laughs> you have to main, you have to, you have to maintain that. When want to fails. It goes backward to what should do. You should do. You should. I know that. Everybody knows that. But how do you take should do and turn it into want to? How does every parent take your child and turn it from should do into want to? How does every Sunday school class, how does every, every small group, how do we go from should do to want to, and the issue and the answer is always relationship with each other and with Jesus. 
And when that begins to fail, we go back. It's like going from New Testament backward. See, it's supposed to go Old Testament to New Testament, but when New Testament starts to failing because of our relationship with Jesus, we're going back to Old Testament rules. I don't, I don't want to do that, of course, and I, I hope that maybe you see that in some areas of your life. Let's go on. Now the positive, that's the problem. Let's go on to the positive relationship rather than just ritual. Relationship rather than just ritual. I'm only going to do two things. I could, I, I started writing down, I think I got up to like five, although I'm not going to do five. I'm just going to do two. And you're not going to like these two, so you wouldn't want me to do five. Relationship rather than just ritual. Um, I was supposed to break those up, and I didn't. The two are, so you already see them, so there's no sense in me trying to hide it. The two are, one is realization of something missing. Okay, pretend you don't see the bottom one, okay? Do you see the bottom one? No, I don't see the bottom one. Realization of something missing. As your pastor, I do this... I don't like doing this, but I do this often. And I want every leader in our church to do this. I look at our church, for instance, this isn't about just church, but it's different areas of our life, but about church. I will look at, our, at what we're doing. And I ask myself, is this what we're supposed to be doing? Is this what we're supposed to be doing? Is this how we're supposed to do it? And I, I know some of you just hate when I talk like this because you're wondering, what's he going to change? See, that's the problem. Because there, then, what's he going to... Fear of what's he going to change means you're stuck in ritual. All right? Now, you don't like to hear that. But fear of what's going to change means that I'm comfortable in not changing, which is ritual. Fear of changing means I'm comfortable in not changing. Just leave it alone like it is, even though it's not working. I'd rather have it where it's comfortable, not necessarily where it's changing hearts and lives and souls and consciences. I'd rather just have it where I know what we're going to do, I know what's going to ha happen, and I wonder from time to time, and I ask myself, God, is what we're doing what we're supposed to be doing? Are lives being changed? Are people growing in a relationship with Jesus Christ because of what we do and how we do it? Ritual should lead to relationship. And so this is my job. This is what I'm supposed to do, or is how we do it and what we do, the rituals that we go through, is it leading people to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ, or are we just going through the motions? And so my job is to go through that and to think through that and to pray through that. And if there are some places that, that, that are obvious to me, that's just something we're doing. It's not really effective. It's not helping anybody. It's not changing anyone. Then I need to step up, be a man, be a pastor, 
and start this process of change. Lord, you show us. You show us because this is, this is the, the Holy Spirit written in our heart, in our mind, in our soul, in our conscience. Show us, Lord, what it is because the point is relationship, not ritual. Now, every Sunday school class, every Sunday school teacher should do the same thing. Is what we're doing, is it changing lives? Are people getting closer to Jesus because of when we meet, how we meet, what, what we teach? Is it changing lives? Or am I just going through the motions? Every teacher is responsible to take a close look at what's going on. Every Wednesday night small group is responsible. Is what we're doing what we're supposed to be doing? Now, that's just church. Now, you can go to your home. Every dad, every mom, everyone who leads in any way ought to take a close look at, at, at every area, home, church, school, work, life. Every relationship needs to be examined, looked at. Nobody likes that. I told you you wouldn't like it. Why? It's not comfortable. But the point is relationship and growing in it, not going back to ritual. I told somebody last week, and I've, I've said this often, every, I was talking about church, so I'll just say church. Every church who doesn't have a leader will always do the easiest thing. They'll always do the easiest thing. It takes all of us who lead to step up and examine and say, okay, but are we doing the important thing? And that is a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. So it's realization that something is missing. And I'm just going through the motions. Now, uh, take that and apply it to yourself. The realization that something is missing. And you know what? I have to admit. Nobody wants to admit this. But I'm not going to ask you to admit to anyone else, just to yourself. Something's missing in my life. Something's missing in my devotion time, in my worship time. It, something's missing, and I'm ready to find it. Something's missing. And I'm ready to find it. Something's missing. And the reason I know that is because I am just going through the motions. I'm just going through the motions when I read God's word. I'm just going through the motions when I pray. I'm just going through the motions when I come to church. I'm just going through the motions when I go to a small group or some kind of, some kind of class. I'm, I'm just there. I'm just, I'm just in a seat. I don't, I don't add anything. I don't bring any, anything. I'm just going through the motions. When I look into God's word, it's just, it's just you know, words on a, on a page. I haven't heard God speak to me in a long time. I haven't really saw anything happen in prayer for a long time. I'm just going through the motions. Realization that something is missing. And today's the day to change that. Today's the day to change that. The second one, you're not going to like this, 
You're not, we, we cannot get away from the time. The one you pretended you, pre- pretended you didn't see, time. More time with Jesus, there is no other way. Okay, I'm telling you. I'm telling, okay, my t-shirt, I'm telling you, and I'm the pastor, that's why. More time with Jesus, and I'm telling you, there is no other way. And you're trying to find another way. You've been trying to find another way. Listen to me. I don't care who sees this. I don't care who hears this. Take your five-minute devotion book and either throw it away or expand on on it and make it a half-hour devotion book. I don't care. I don't like to waste, you know, but that five-minute devotion book is not doing anything to you. It's not doing anything for you. Why? It's not enough time, okay? Time. It's just as simple as, as, as that. And what's missing is that element of time, much time spent with him, much time spent with him. That's not the only answer. It's not the only key, but I'm telling you this morning, it's a big key. And it's a, it's a big thing that's missing in our life. And, and that's what's separating us from going from ritual to relationship. First of all, even though, even the thought that we're keeping time. Okay. Uh, Somebody put it like this. If you had an audience with the, I'm going to say the king of England, it couldn't be, it would be the queen. If you had an audience with the queen of England, I'll say the president of the United States, but that's going to cause so much uproar, I'm not even going to do that. But if you had an audience with the queen of England, and you had this chance to talk to her, I, I don't think you're going to say, well, I've only got five, five minutes to give, give you queen, and I've, and I've got to go, you know. No, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be like that. That means, time means, that you're going to have to not do something else. Bottom line, more time with Jesus means you're going to have to stop doing something else quite so much. Doesn't mean you have to stop doing it. Doesn't mean you have to stop being, being there, going there. Doesn't mean you have to stop doing that, not go there, just not so much. Time means less of something else, more of him. You're rushing through your relationship with him, and so you're losing it. It's going backward. Your relationship is not going forward with Jesus. It's going backward. And why time? Time. I'm not going to tell you how much time each of us is going to be. I know, I think I know how much he wants from me. You have to find that for you. But the issue, what's missing, is time. And I think some of you, as you sit here, you believe it. That, that is true. I've been spending so much time on everything else I'm I'm just going to stop because I think you get that. It's not that hard.
but now it's doing it. So it's setting up, okay, from today I'm going to spend more time with him, whatever that means, time in his word, time in prayer. You, you'll, you'll figure that out. But I'm going to spend more time with him because I really do believe that's part of the key. And I'm tired of, of my spiritual life being so dry. I'm tired of just going through the motions, going through the ritual. And I really do want it to be relationship. If you're a teacher, you need to be spending time praying for your class. If you lead a small group, you need to be spending time praying for your small group. If you're a leader in any way, you need to be praying for those who you lead. It was a, I'll tell you, Samuel in the Old Testament says something very convicting to me. When he's talking to the nation, he's a prophet, he's a judge, and he says to them, God forbid that I should not pray for you. God forbid that I should sin by not praying for you. Time. I'm going to ask you to stand. Musicians, come. This is our prayer time. I'm going to ask you to bow your head with me, with me, because I'm going to, I'm, I'm praying too. I'm searching too. This message is all my fingers pointing back at me. Lord, I want to make sure that I haven't slipped into ritual, that I'm doing what I'm doing, that I'm centering, concentrating, working toward relationship. Lord, when I catch myself, and I do catch myself, falling back on rules and ritual, God, help me open up my eyes and my heart and help me go back the other way toward relationship. Lord, I have spent too much time on stuff that doesn't matter. I am spending too much time on stuff that doesn't matter. Help me, Jesus. I want to take some of that time and give some more of it to you. I don't care if it's prayer, word, worship. I just, Lord, you'll, you'll show me. You'll show me as I take some of that time from worthless stuff and give it to you. Well, we have a time right now. We have time right now to pray, to spend time with him. If you need to come and pray, and this is between Jesus and you. You don't have to talk to anyone else if you don't, if, if you don't want to. This is between Jesus and you. If you need to come to an altar and pray, this is not a ritual. This is relationship. While they play and sing, if you want to come and pray, spend time with Jesus, we invite you to come.
just as long as I'm getting in you. If I could just sit with you a while, if you could just hold me, nothing could touch me though. I I'm wounded though I die If I could just sit with you a while I need you to hold me Moment by moment Till forever passes Hold 